This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Green and White brought to you by Argyle Life. I'm pretty sure for all of us here and for all of you listening at home or wherever you're catching this episode, a lot has happened in the last 272 days. I'm therefore certain a lot will have changed in the last 476 days and I can't even begin to comprehend what's gone on during the previous 5,054 days. But some of you who may not be knowing what those numbers mean may need a bit of educating. Before Saturday, it was 272 days since we last claimed three points on the road. It was 476 days since we last picked up a win in a game that kicked off at 3pm on a Saturday. And finally, and more eye-wateringly, 5,054 days have passed since we last won away from home in the Championship. Since Fozzie came into the football club, however, the signs have been there that this was this win wasn't too far away, with improvements coming every time that the side stepped onto the grass. As the Greens headed over the Severn Bridge to take on Swansea City, there was only one objective, win. And let's be real, Martin Scorsese and Steven Seagal would have been proud of the script that unfolded in South Wales. Former Swan, and now forever an Argyle hero, the bargain of the century, Morgan Whitaker popped up in the 18th minute with a decisive strike following an excellent corner kick routine. No, that wasn't a mistake. This isn't a drill. We scored from a corner. Away win, clean sheet, back-to-back wins in the championship. It's now at this point that I'm already drawing theories that Fozzie may well be the second coming. I'm Joe and I'm in the hot seat for one more dance, similar to Neil Warnock. I just can't walk away. And joining me this evening, as ever, is the wonderfully sober Sam Down, who finally managed to find a seat to enjoy a few hours. How are you, Sam? Um, ab- absolutely dreadful, but I had fun yesterday, so that's okay. That's the price I pay. Excellent. Showing us his curtains this evening instead of mine getting an airing. Ben, are you well? I am infinitely better than at least fifty percent of this podcast right now. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I might be doing more speaking than than normal, given the, the comments that we got from you and Sam pre, pre-record. But uh, yeah, I'm sure that t- t- if the listeners haven't turned off at that suggestion, then uh, 
uh, we'll look forward to the rest of the the show with great great relish so much as you said so many firsts that have uh, happened with that game that we haven't had for so long yeah i'm hoping that my voice lasts this recording um one or two drinks were consumed to celebrate such a momentous win last night and last but not least rejoining the pod um for a flying visit is adam who was in south wales adam did you enjoy your day in welsh wales tell you what i certainly did yeah and i imagine that i spent it just a little bit more sober than well at least sam did so um yeah hopefully one or two of the memories have stuck in my brain for this one and i'll be able to to share some of the share some of the talking loads i just saying you think um, you sure about that sobriety <laughs> well you know what <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll go with that. Why don't we tap into some of those memories straight away, Adam? Why don't you take us through that momentous first away win of the season away at Swansea yesterday? Indeed, it's very much an understatement to say that it's been a long time coming. Um, yeah, the north of 5,000 days since we, since we last had this feeling and well, certainly the first away win in the championship that I've ever been to. And I imagine that's the same for a, a lot of, a lot of supporters who were, who were there yesterday. It, um, yeah, it, it's hard to put the emotions into words really, because it, it feels as though this has been building. I think, I think we'd all say, you know, as you mentioned in your intro, Joe, the performances we've had under Fozzy, um, as we've been going on, have been really encouraging and seem to have been built on game by game. And, I don't know what it was. I, I thought this might be a little bit too soon. It felt like we were playing Swansea at the right time. It felt like we were a decent match for them. But I don't know. I went into it um, predicting. I predicted a two-all draw. And it wouldn't have surprised me if it was uh, narrow either way. So here we are. And it is narrow this way. So, yeah, really pleased that it happened. Really pleased that it happened in the manner that it did as well. Obviously, with the... Uh, the goal for Morgan and the fact that it came from a set piece, which certainly has not happened often. It's a, another example of the, the work Fozzie's been doing to work on some of the weaknesses that we've had in well the first half of the season under Schumacher. And yeah, here we are. Uh, there's probably a lot of words that could describe the emotions that went through in the final whistle. Um, relief is one, ecstasy is another. But all in all, they put it together, and it, it's it's a struggle to find the right word simply because it has been five thousand plus days since you experienced this, and I'm almost here sitting here, not knowing exactly how I should feel. But it's certainly preferable to feel it that way than it is having gone to another away ground and not quite got the result in our favour. I much prefer this feeling, even though I can't particularly describe it very well. It's it's a weird one, Sam, this, isn't it? Given that we had 31 wins last season, we've had eight wins already this season, and yet we are struggling to words, just struggling to put into words even just what this win means. Um, is it also fair to say that we've played a lot better in several away games this season, certainly from an attacking output, and not got a result? So it's rather pleasing that perhaps this was a little bit of a different style of performance but we did get the result yeah definitely i think the luck has definitely evened itself out i i'm not a believer in the theory that luck always evens itself out because there's far too much randomness and statistical variation in life for that but it certainly will very often um come close to evening itself out and i think that was a little bit of a readdressing of the scales after so many games where we've had awful luck with 
decisions or with just the bounce of the ball going the wrong way or the finishing's not quite been good enough. Um, all of that got reversed. We didn't have a great deal of chances, in truth. Um, we had a lot of opportunities that could have led to chances if the right decision was made, the Wayne moment late on, um, which he did brilliantly well to win the ball, in fairness to him, but then really should have squared it. Um, Hardy had a, had a moment, I think, where he should have squared it first half as well, but but didn't do so. Um, so we didn't have a lot of chances. We had a lot of chances that could have been chances, more so than actual clear sights of goal. Uh, and even the goal itself, I wouldn't really say it was a clear sight of goal. It was just a fantastic finish through a field of play. And so our finishing was 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 good. Um, well, certainly Whitaker's finishing was good um, for the goal. And Connor Hazard was absolutely fantastic at the other end. Two saves. Um, that, that obviously, the Patino one right at the end and the one first half. Looking back on the Patino one again, it's not quite as good a save as I thought it was at the time. I think it was... Um, I was kind of watching through fingers over my eyes, I think. Um, but uh, maybe didn't get the clearest view. But seeing, again, I think it's more of a bad finish than a good save, um, in truth, from Patino. But the one in the first half, and I can't remember which player it was from. Um, someone will have to jump in with the name. But the, the, the one with his legs in the first half was an absolutely world-class save. The the movement, the the speed of motion for that was just, wow. Um, how quickly his brain moves and how quickly his body moves as well was, was brilliant. So Connor Hazard... Um, definitely uh, won us that game, I think, more so than any other player. And I think he rightly got man of the match. Uh, credit where it's due, really credit where it's due. I've I've had a little bit of a moan about him here and there, but I think he was absolutely fantastic yesterday, as he has been the last two or three games, really. Um, well, yeah, um, I mean, not the best performance. Defensively, we kind of let them have maybe more more space than Foster would have liked us to let them. Um, at times, like certainly with the Patino chance, he really should have been picked up, I think. But even even aside from that, we, we we did defend well at times as well. I'm not saying we defended badly, but room for improvement and some really good counter-attacks going forward. I think Foster getting us, uh, getting the work in the transitions is, is, is really paying off. He was considered as being an out-of-possession coach, a transitions-based coach as well. And I think we're really seeing the fruit of that as we are with attacking corners. I said with the two corners at Huddersfield where they, they sort of line up like a train like the England um, squad do but they all sort of line up in a row that that seemed to bring more results than anything else I've seen before and obviously following on from that um, yeah once again the, the, the slightly different routine yesterday great bit of interplay Forshaw Divine picks up a good space then a simple pass back to Forshaw who then lays it to Whitaker, who, you know, with that much time and space on the ball, Morgan Whitaker will find the goal as often as not. So, yeah, re- re- really happy and content with um, with, with, with that. Um, like I say, best performance in the world, no, in truth, but certainly not a bad performance. Second half better than the first, um, despite the goal coming in the first. I think the second half we were sharper and better. Uh, and, yeah, um, maybe a draw. Swansea will feel a little bit disheartened. might have thought a draw would have been a fair reflection, I would probably agree with them on that, but we got it done. And the emotion, the relief, the joy at the end was absolutely bloody incredible. And uh, not, um, yeah, not not a day that I'll forget uh, easily. I, I might forget certain details of it easily, but the actually, the raw emotion is not something I'll forget easily. And um, yeah, um, I think that, that goes right into my top, maybe 15, 20 games of my 22 years as a fan. It's right up there. 
it's at this point I should stress to all listeners and viewers on YouTube that we do actively encourage that you drink responsibly. <clears throat> um, I also should say at this point, there's my Connor Hazard um, talking points that Sam's just covered. So I'll throw them away. Um, ben, let's get um, straight into it then, because there's only one moment really that we want to talk about in this game. And that was finally scoring from a set piece. Um, it seems like an age since we last got a goal at a set piece, particularly a corner. A lot of praise from Ian Foster's gone to Kevin Nanskerville on this. Um, he's been working hard with the players on, on set piece routines. If any man knows just how the Green Army feel about routines and things, it is probably Kevin Nanskerville. Um, talk us through it, mate, because um, in the end, it's turned out to be a work of art, hasn't it? Yeah, um, it's interesting. I think it was Whitaker himself said that they tried it a couple of times or looked to make it work uh, in games previously. So it's obviously, you know, there's a bank of routines that they've got. I suspect this one now has come off, might go to the bottom of the pack again, um, and they'll maybe try another. But it was obviously something that they, they've identified that that works. Um, I, I, the little move, I think, they, they weren't sure it was going to come off. He doubled back to receive the, the dead ball played out for sure pings it in it looks I don't know if um it was an awkward height but it looked like not an easy ball to control so to guide it into the corner with um the skill that he did was 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 a great finish um and yeah like you say it, the fact that we were able to create the space was uh to create the opportunity was really welcome it seemed you know on the face of it it looks like a really easy you know sort of routine to to, to cut a simple routine but if, if if corner routines were that simple then people would be coming up with clever little bit tricks and flicks like that all the time so it's obviously something that they've they've identified um the way people mark them the way people set up against them in games uh and and certain opportunities where you sort of you'll see a certain setup. You, there will be the trigger to, okay, we can get this to work here. The movement, there's a little block off the ball as well. I think it's Gibson. It might not have been, but someone just sort of gave Whitaker the, the, the space to make his run, pinning his man back. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it, we finally got it. Now we wouldn't have, um, if it was so easy to pull off these little routines, we wouldn't have gone this long in the season without getting one, would we? So um, credit has to go to both the, the coaching staff and to the the players for 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 making it work, um, and uh, there was a lot of things that could have gone wrong with it, as has obviously happened three or four times previously when they've they thought about bringing it off either someone's uh, got out to the ball, etc. So um, it was just wonderful that it fell to, to Morgan Whitaker. Obviously, I imagine that was part of the you know people wouldn't have been ignorant of uh, the the, the storyline surrounding the the game. Uh, and sort of like the idea of if we can get this, you know, routine to Morgan, you know, brilliant. Um, and that'll that'll create the the perfect narrative. And you know, it, it really did. It, you know, all those things coming off in, in the game uh, made for a, a wonderful story, a wonderful event. You know, sort of uh, um, as, as Ian Foster himself said, ticking off the the first for for himself, but also for in many ways for the club for for a good period of time. So um, it was it was quite a fairy tale. A fairy tale move, really. Uh, and it was just a shame, in a sense, that it came in the 18th minute. And you know, as Sam was saying, we weren't necessarily brilliant, but I also thought Swansea were a lot better than I was expecting them to be. They're in a not a, a great run of form, and I thought they played pretty well and restricted what you know we could do. I don't think there were too many really awful performances from Argyle anywhere on the pitch, but you know, um, Swansea seemed you know quite a good match for us 
uh, around the pitch. And if it wasn't for Forshaw putting in sort of almost an immaculate performance, we might have been in more trouble than we than we were. Connor Hazard, obviously, with the man of the match performance, saving us. So it would have been lovely if that had come in the say the seventy eighth minute rather than the eighteenth minute. It would have been even more euphoric because you've then got to sit through sort of seventy minutes of of, of nail biting, but. The fact that we were able to keep that clean sheet is another part, I think, something else that we haven't seen for a long, long time. Um, something else which was equally um, to be celebrated from that performance. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot. I enjoyed many aspects of that from the from the resilience um, of the press, for the resilience of the back five to um, Whitaker being the match winner on his old stomping ground and um, cementing his... Uh, position as captain sort of taking authority on the pitch there was loads of things to be to be excited about and, and happy about but um you know if that routine worked that well one hopes that Nance has more in his quiver uh, to bring out for that for, for games going forward obviously you know you imagine that the foster has an influence too and such and an input but you know you, you know we're in the top four still for open play goals scored if we can start adding even a few from set pieces, all of a sudden we become, we become much more threatening, especially if we're going to be more defensive until we can get until we can get a, um, a foundation in place defensively to be solid before we can start becoming more expansive. Then if we can add some set piece goals, if we're not going to be so free flowing as we have been earlier in the season, then um, that really helps us to become um, difficult to, to break down and, and, and gives us much more opportunity, especially on the road, we're sitting in against teams on the road, so absorbing pressure. If we can't get them on the break, the opportunity to score through a you know the odd free kick that we've won on the break or from the corner all of a sudden makes us much more dangerous on the road, which bodes well when we're going up against some of the... We've played a lot of the better teams away from home in the first half of the season, two-thirds of the season, and a lot of the... We've now got a lot of the better teams coming to home park the last sort of, what was it, 17 games. Um, so if you know home form, we can't rely on the ability to go away and maybe get a set piece goal, nick a draw, nick a win, even on the road against some of our the teams down where we are in the league could be a real boon. Uh, yeah, let's go into um, some of the uh, thoughts that you guys sent in um, post game. Ben, I'm not going to read your own out; that would be boosting your ego too much. Um, Jay Holiday <clears throat> on Twitter said, what a fantastic result yesterday. And he had to be the main man, Morgan Whitaker, to score against his former team. Credit must also go to goalkeeper Connor Hazard. He was outstanding yesterday. He kept Argyle in the match with some excellent saves. Uh, Neil Hammercott says, Argyle come out on top in the rumble by the mumbles. Feel free to use. Neil, we have done. Uh, massive win. Can't disagree with that. Uh, Zykaness says, rode our luck at times, but also could have made it safe with a bit of composure, promising signs from Fozzy. Uh, we got a nice message from uh, a Swansea fan, Shropshire and Midlands Jacks, uh, said, well done on the win, great support as well. Wit scoring was inevitable, thought we deserved the win, let alone the point, but that's footy, all the best for the season. Um, as Sam mentioned, I think um, certainly with a number of chances Swansea created, um, they can probably feel a little bit hard done by. But hey, we've been in that situation ourselves on the road. Uh, quickly jumping across to Facebook, a couple of comments from there. Uh, Matthew Hugo says, Foster is an upgrade on Shuey. Well, we're a month in. Perhaps it's still a touch too early for those sorts of comments, but we'll come on to that in a bit. Michael Gorman says, well done to the team, the manager, team coaches and our great supporters. First away win of many, I hope. If you chase, If you chase the bucks, you come unstuck. 
to whom this comment may apply. The grass is greener at Home Park. We are really stoked about that. And then we'll quickly delve into Pasotti Corner, um, our second trip to Pasotti for their thoughts. Uh, Butternubs says Foreshore is exactly what this team needed. Uh, Green 1886 says pretty lackluster feel about it in the final third. Hardy strangely subdued. Miller had a good few chances and Ben Wayne, the best of the lot, broke through, but totally lacked pace, composure and ability. Uh, it's an interesting one. Just looks a little out of his depth. If Bunda is fit, he has to be the backup striker option. Uh, Saxman says, despite all the possession and slung over crosses, Swansea still often looked toothless, whereas Argyle were very threatening on the break. Even so, it took three remarkable saves by Hazard to preserve Argyle's one-goal lead. Foreshore is absolutely class and has a brilliant knack of suddenly accelerating to close players' downs and challenge for the ball, often winning it. We are very fortunate to have him. Wayne continues to improve and made some good contributions and created his own chance, if only. Bali is also starting to find his feet. Goes on to say in brackets, literally no falling over today. And Morgs has got to be the most lethal finisher we have had in years. A lot to dissect from Pasotti Corner, Facebook and Twitter's thoughts. Um, but I think, Sam, Ben and even Adam, you touched on it yourself. We'll come to you first, Adam. Um, I, want to, I want to designate a good number of minutes here. Obviously not the rest of the pod because we've got other things we need to talk about. Um, but it would be wrong of us not to give Connor Hazard a good couple of minutes of our time because there were moments in previous games under Foster where Hazard has been excellent. Um, this is the best of the lot, isn't it? It's right up there. It's really right up there. I think the the main difference here, of course, from this performance to the others, is it's a genuine match-winning display from a goalkeeper. And you can have keepers that have brilliant games and you don't necessarily describe it as match-winning through no fault of their own. It's just the, the situation of the game and the way it's developed that has, that has led to that. What Connor Hazard has done here is objectively won us at least two points and probably three. Now, we have certainly two that I remember. I know that conversation was had with the Charlie Patino and Jerry Yates in the first half where are they the best finishes in the world? I mean, okay, they're they're not outstanding finishes. If they were, they'd have scored because they're in excellent positions. But it's not as if we can come away here and say that Swansea have actively missed those chances. They've got them on target and our goalkeeper has come up trumps for us. Now, I think... It's easy to look at it and go, okay, yeah, well, maybe we got a little bit fortunate with the chances that we developed. And I can understand a lot of where it's coming from with Swansea. I recall one of the comments saying, you know, I thought we were good for the win, let them the draw. And I can understand the view. What I would say, you know, we have would have had exactly the same thoughts. If those stats from yesterday were in the other other direction, we lost 1-0, we'd have been gutted with, with how that went. I can completely see where they come But even with that in mind... It's it's all well and good. You wouldn't necessarily say, oh, you're lucky that your centre-back performed brilliantly in stopping us getting chances, or oh, you're lucky your midfielder was, was, was so good in breaking up play. But somehow, if your goalkeeper has an excellent game, it's it's fortunate. It's not. It's not. Hazard's had a, a fantastic game there. I mean, I know I've already touched on the debate we can have for the finishes, but regardless, he's closed down the space for both of those chances that I met, mentioned excellently used his frame brilliantly got himself in front of the ball and got the ball away from danger so yeah it's there's a lot to be said i think 
if it's not the best game he's had for Argyle, then it's very close. And the only reason that it wouldn't be the best game is if he's had even better at, say, for example, Queen's Park Rangers away, securing that point and, and a few others. But securing three points on the road the way he did there. And um, let's not forget it, crucial moments as well. Yates just before halftime, if they go in level, it's a completely different game. But, you know, I mean, obviously, right, right at the end, one of the, the final chances they had, and he gets it away. It, it's a struggle not to consider that a 10 out of 10 performance, simply because of how it ended and how it ended a run of 5,000 days and out of the way when in the championship. And it would not have been possible without our goalkeeper on form. So call it lucky if you want. I don't think it's lucky. I think it's brilliant by him and brilliant. I, I hate to, to go back a number of days again, but brilliant actually by the scouting team to pick up on, on Hazard's abilities in the summer. I admit when he came in that I didn't necessarily doubt him. I doubted the need for him with Cooper and Burton already here, but clearly with the way that, that Cooper's not been available, um, you know, again, through no fault, I mean, Hazard has, has stepped up. And yesterday, yeah, go on. It's the best game he's had in an Argyle shirt, and I hope there's more to come. I totally agree. I mean, I go back, the one that sticks in my mind is the Southampton game at the start of the season. I thought he pulled off two or three brilliant saves in that one. And I remember the Sky Sports commentators um, waxing lyrical about him. Um, ben, if, if you don't mind, I'm going to save um, Morgan Whitaker to Sam. Um, we're going to, yes, I know, we're going to give Whitaker more praise. God, who'd have thought it, eh? But Ben, I want to come to you about Adam Forshaw. So I wasn't totally sold on the fact that we needed an experienced head like the majority of the fan base thought we did. Um, for for a man in his 30s, in the perceived twilight in the perceived twilight of his career, I mean, it, it just doesn't stop running. I mean, yeah, that, was, this... that was a brilliant performance, wasn't it, from him yesterday as well? Yeah, there's this strange perception that if someone's past 30 had an injury that they're on the way to the knackers yard, but there's plenty of players that play at the very top level up, you know, well into their late thirties. I know they're probably unique physical specimens, but if someone's looked after themselves and they've got the first yard in their head, which isn't to say he doesn't have physical speed, because I think he demonstrated that very well. I think that it's not necessarily the experience it's the ability that he's got. You know, some of the some of the people that have come in, the young players, they've got ability, but it needs to be honed. It needs to be touched up. It needs to be crafted. Forshaw's come in and he's not he has the experience, but he has the ability. But the fact is, the ability he's he's honed his craft over, you know, what probably 14, 15, 16 years that he's been playing uh, with other with other men. And he's played at a, a very high level already. So. He's thrown into a position where he's done this all before, whereas the other guys coming in, they might end up with careers that have reached a higher zenith than Adam Forshaw's do. Even you know someone like Darko Jamie playing in the same position, but right this minute he's a better player because he's got the the the, the time in the in the in the legs in the mind, so that he he knows what he's doing in every situation. He's not having to to think the instincts already been honed, and he's he's acting on like I say on instinct, and and I think that's. It's not necessarily just down to the experience because someone could be experienced and be a selfish player. They can be, uh, you know, not a leader. They can be not a team player. But it's the fact that he's exactly what the team needs in terms of the the skill set and the the ability polished, ready to go in. You know, he, him and JB seem to the team set up in slightly 
in the same formation, but they sort of the position was slight, positioning was slightly different. It seemed to be like a five-one-three-one at times. That when we, the deeper we dropped, became a five-four-one. And JB and Forshaw seemed to to alternate in being the the deeper lying midfielder. But if you look at the the, the stats, or even just with the eye, Forshaw, whether he was the one with the three behind the behind Hardy that was pushing out and with the triggering the press, or he was the one behind mopping up. Uh, just in front of the back four. He did it immaculately. JB did both as well, but I don't think he put a foot wrong in many ways. Um, You can't expect to win every tackle. You can't expect to win every duel or every 50-50, every aerial battle. But um, in terms of decision-making, he just got everything completely right. And when you've got someone like that, you play a couple of games with them, you think, oh, I can trust this guy. Everybody else's nerves, everyone, the responsibility on everyone else's shoulders drops a little bit. And they think, look, if I'm in trouble, I can look for Adam and I can give him the ball and he'll know what to do. If I'm not sure whether I need to ping it long or I need to drop it back to the, you know, my nearest centre-back, but I'll just I'll give it to Adam and then he'll know what to do. And he showed that composure so much in that game. Um, and, you know, and, and we talk about composure, just going back to to Hazard, that you know, the best thing about his performance yesterday was the things that have been we've worried about his performance. So not coming and commanding the air, not coming out quickly off his line and making decisions, um, not distributing quickly these things that we seem as 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 issues of, of as being a um causing causing problems for the team. He was able to do those and and that gave the defense so much more confidence in him. The defense seems so much more relaxed with hazards. Uh, and the last couple of games too, because it's noticeable. When, you know, in the, in the in the last game, he did the same. He was he was out quicker. He was up quicker. And when he was punching, he was decisive. He was punching it to space, etc. That continued even more so against Swansea. The defense was so much more relaxed um, and so much more willing to trust him. Forshaw does that for the the front two thirds of the team. I think. I think everybody has a confidence that it will be all right because he's going to be there to 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 pick up pieces that we might drop, and that. That gave everybody else, I think, more freedom to be more adventurous and ambitious. You know, there was a lot of passes, a lot of misplaced passes at times, but they were ambitious passes. They were trying to break lines. They were trying to, they weren't just simple little knocks to the side. And that was because I think everyone had a confidence that we'll be all right. We can we can close the ball down. We can press quickly and recover the ball because Forshaw uh, especially was instilling that confidence in everybody. So that gave them the license to be able to try and play with a bit more freedom and a bit more excitement rather than sort of shrinking within themselves. And that was probably key to us getting a result because I think if we'd lost that confidence, if Forshaw wasn't as on it yesterday as he was, I do think we might have become a little more tentative. That would have invited Swansea on a little bit more. We'd have kept dropping. They did pose us problems. They did ask a lot of questions. I thought they they had a pretty decent performance all over the pitch, Swansea. So I think for sure, you know, yes, Hazard was the man my man of the match, but it felt really hard to to say that when the performance for sure put in, I thought was probably key to both the forwards at the midfield and even linking with defence to us being able to perform to the level that we did, which was able to keep to, to repel the Swans for, for that 70 minutes after we'd scored. I noticed there were a couple of occasions as well when I was watching it back earlier on today um i noticed there was a couple of occasions where i think there was a time where mumba overplayed and got caught and it went out for a corner and there was an incident where jb gave the ball away and things and Forshaw was straight there just having a chat with him you know he was he was showing that experience that he's built up over time um we can't go on any longer sam um we'll give him another couple of minutes i suppose he probably deserves it morgan whitaker take it away 
Yeah, it couldn't have been any more of a fairy tale, could it? Apart from Ash Benzner's maybe the goal being a bit later in the game. Um, <clears throat> and I think it's all the more fitting that in the home game against Swansea, that was probably his weakest performance of the season, uh, in truth. He didn't really get on the ball that much. He was quite wasteful when he did uh, in that game. Um, so, so I think maybe he will have had a bit of a, not so much a point to prove, because he's already proved the point of how good he's been the entire rest of the season. But I think there would have maybe been a little bit of an extra factor driving him to do even better against Swansea. And he absolutely uh, did that with the goal. Worked really hard. I think his, his off-the-ball work is actually getting better. I really do think that. I mean, however fantastic he's been on the ball, I think Foster has been teaching him a few things about pressing, closing off the, the lines of possession down the pitch. And I think there's been a couple of times where he, he did that to great effect. Uh, but of course, the goal, incredible moment. Um, and I kind of have all the more respect for him for not absolutely going wild with his celebration, which I think he would have had every right to do, given how um, they treated him as a club. Not Russell Martin, more there. Their board of directors were calling him, but he clearly didn't want to be, and um, obviously they're not in fact selling him as they as they planned to, which left him in a pretty crap situation for the second half of last season. Uh, and then they were they were obviously quite keen to get rid of him at that point, which is why he came to us for such a ludicrously low fee. So I kind of you know, if I was him, if I'm a bit more petty than him, I wouldn't have minded giving it the old you know up yours to their directors box. But obviously he didn't do that. Um, measured celebration and at the end as well. You know, tap the badge, give a little, give a little fist pump to the fans. Um, yeah, re- really good. And that, and the best thing of all was that interview. Um, and I think you said it, Joe, on a pod a, a few weeks or months ago that such an underrated factor in any workplace is if you're if you're happy somewhere, if you're happy and your your mental health's in the right place, that that gets you that gets you to levels where you may never have thought you would have got to. And I think Morgan Whitaker when he came back here. I don't think anybody, I don't think he, his family, any of the supporters, any of the management team would have predicted that he would be going into the the, um, run of games in February with 17 goals and six assists in all competitions. It is absolutely incredible. 16 league goals. He's now the joint top scorer in the championship, I think, with um, Smodex of Blackburn. Um, He's just incredible. And... Look, for all that he said about he's happy here, he wants to stay, I think he still will probably go in the summer and who could possibly begrudge that? Because I think if he carries on playing even close to this level between now and May, the doors that level will open up for him in the summer are are huge. Could be another Lazio level club, but but maybe in England, could maybe could, could be a club like Tottenham or, or somebody of that level maybe could even go in for him. Certainly if he carries on improving off the ball, I don't see why why he couldn't get to that level. I, I, yeah, just just really great moment. The love of the players all shoved him forward to receive the adulation of the fans at the end was was incredible. And I think I I, I almost if he keeps us up comfortably, which I think will happen, I almost feel that I I almost would be would be very very much ready for him to go at that point. And I think that would just be such a perfect um, fairy tale ending, and and almost sort of wanting him to go on to the best things he's capable of and obviously the, the very large amount of money that we get for him to to go back into the club. Um, obviously, look, if he, if, he, if he said, look, um, Simon, Andrew, I actually really, really want to stay, never mind Tottenham. Um, I want to stay with the Green Army for another full season. You know, I, I, maybe, you know, I, th- I think he's mad, but <laughs> it, it, it would be brilliant. Uh, and, and if that does happen, then, then maybe he will end up staying. But 
we've got him for this second half of the season, no matter what. And yeah, just just incredible. I think there's every chance he becomes the outright top scorer in the league. Maybe even I think we've got to be now looking at like we, we know. Let's be honest, failing like I think even if he. God forbid, did excruciates and probably be our player of the season now because it was one year ago today that Cooper did his injury and he's still our player of the season. So I think whatever happens, he's pretty much got Argyle player of the season nailed on. I think he's got to be in contention for player of the season for the whole bloody league. I really do. How well he's doing. Um, like I said, those numbers are just absolutely incredible and he's still getting better and better. And he'd have had another assist to his name if not for that official at Southampton. I'm I'm not going to repeat what you just said because I don't attempt fate. But if what's just happened, if what you suggest could happen in coming weeks about Morgan Whitaker and his fitness, I will send a witch doctor round to your house, Mister Down. Um, yeah, I think it's a good point you make about um, Whitaker's happiness, and he he highlighted it himself in his interview. And look, I I said it at the time, and I I firmly believe it that you know it's the same as any anybody else in any walk of life if you're happy in your job you can perform to the best of your ability you can perform to your maximum potential and for whatever reason wherever morgan's been before perhaps he hasn't had that level of happiness and for him and his partner right now at plymouth argyle they have that level of happiness they have that com they have that security they have that comfortable living um, that they're going through. And look, I'm the more and more I think about it, the more and more I hear from Whitaker in interviews and things, the more and more I actually believe that he might be with us beyond the summer transfer window, just because he has found a home and that is more important to him than anything at the moment. Um, and long, long may that continue. And look, if it is just another couple of months, then, then let's sure as heck enjoy every moment of it. And I think we said it on the deadline day uh, stream, didn't we? Um, that there's nothing more we want than Morgan to go out on national television on Tuesday night and show everyone just what he's capable of and completely run the show in that cup replay, which we'll be previewing shortly. So on to questions. Adam, I'll come to you first. Um, this is from Lee Smith on Twitter. Um, he says, now we've started to win away. Just how much danger is the rest of the championship in and who are our main playoff rivals? <laughs> Seriously, though, for, first away win, first back-to-back -back championship wins, unbeaten in the League and Cup in 2024. Just what's changed? Yeah, it almost feels like something's different behind the scenes, right, from where we were at the end of, end of the last year. I, I can't put my finger on it. Um, now, I, I mean, look, I know there's a... A debate to be had and it's far too soon to get a definitive answer to the debate on whether we've upgraded on Stephen Schumacher by bringing Ian Foster into the club but he could hardly have made a better start I mean to be unbeaten in you know a month into his role um having only had two home games one of which was a day after he joined yeah it's a really encouraging run of results and I think it's He's had three really tricky opponents for his league games as well, hasn't he? He's had tall, physical, robust Huddersfield and Cardiff. And then he's gone to a different kettle of fish in Swansea who are in transition, trying to play a certain brand, which is polar opposite to the previous two clubs that he's played in the league. It's Yeah, it's ultimately needed quite a lot of thinking on his feet in in those games to, to combat different styles of play. Now, Huddersfield and Cardiff, I think Huddersfield in particular, if we were to play that game under Schumacher, I, I, I'm ninety percent sure we lose it. It's the sort of op opposition that just absolutely wore our kryptonite for 
you know, it's it's not even a dig at Shuey. It's a it's been our kryptonite actually for a very long time. I go back to the days in in the lower leagues when we'd face the likes of Gareth Ainsworth, Wickham Wanderers. We we just could not. They they had the mockers over us for for years and years. That sort of side. So that in, in what was his first league game and having had a week um, to get get prepared was was a really um, no, it wasn't the most exciting game. But it was a really encouraging start that that we didn't get get turned over by a side who probably would nine times out of ten before he joined. Um, Cardiff obviously were um, a bit of a special case with their um, injury absentees going into that game. But you, again, can only beat what's in front of you. We, we absolutely did beat what was in front of us and, and deserved to win on that occasion. Um, I think we're almost overlooking, you know, touching on those league games, yeah, absolutely. We're almost overlooking Leeds as well and the way that they are a side who, particularly at home, um, on their day can can steamroller most teams, if not all teams in this league. And yeah, okay, maybe they they weren't at their best. But the way we played in the second half, and I think particularly the way that we made use of substitutions in that game with Butcher and Bundu coming on and changing the game, um, for the want of a better way of putting it, that was arguably one of the most encouraging things of Foster's month so far. Because when I think of Stephen Schumacher's strengths, I think... Above all else, at Argyle, he was an outstanding in-game tactician. The amount of goals we scored from substitutes, the amount of times he changed the shape and and changed the direction of the game was it it was tremendous. The the, the amount not only the, the amount of times he did it, but the quality turn that we had when he when he turned to his bench. I'm thinking of a number of examples of points picked up from losing positions, and that is the thing I thought we'd lose them up the most from Schumacher going. I think based on everything that we've read before Foster arrived and everything that we've seen in the month, we're pretty confident that coaching is a major strength of his in the way he gets his teams to play and the way he improves players. But I didn't know, and that's not to say I thought it would be bad, I just didn't know how good he would be with his in-game management, how he'd make those tweaks in order to get us ahead in games where we perhaps weren't in, in the past. And the fact that he did that at Leeds, the fact that he made two changes that immediately came in and changed the game in our favour and got us that equaliser at what is a difficult place to go. That is what encourages me. So I know that's um a slight tangent and a bit long-winded, but in, in terms of the 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 question as to, to, to what exactly has changed, I mean we've we've got a we've got a fantastic coaching and time may suggest that losing Stephen Schumacher might be the biggest blessing this club's had. And if I quickly might just jump in, like Sam was talking about Occam's Razor, the other podcast, you know, and, and the, the, the simplest answer often being the, the truest, or most likely. Are you more likely to, to attract the best or a better candidate of head coach slash manager when you're in League Two, League One, or in the Championship? Logic dictates you'll, you'll, you'll attract a better candidate of, of manager the higher you are. You know, and and Stephen Schumacher joined us. League Two took over. You know, higher division, and he he proved to be good. But and, and sometimes we feel the better the devil, you know. Um, but on paper, if you were to sort of suggest there was a vacancy at a, a League One club and a Championship club, which one's going to get the better manager? You'd think the Championship club would attract the better manager. So, I think although it is early days, as Adam suggested, um, on top of all the the traits he brought with him, his ability to demonstrate what he's done in game that he, you know, we haven't seen a drop off anywhere in the coaching 
regime, it seems, um, with the new manager is really impressive. And I think, you know, we can start to be quite optimistic that the club have upgraded. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, I I hear a lot of what you're both saying and I think I agree. I would just say it is still only one month. And whilst I get what Joe's saying that Huddersfield... Cardiff and Swansea are in their own way all difficult games. You'd sure as heck rather have those three than, you know, Leicester, Southampton, Coventry, for, for sure. So I would just a little bit, you know, as, as Foster would say, calm down a, a little bit. But, um, you know, I yes, it's looking very, very good. But we, we've not yet had that real tough run of games. When we do have a little wobble, how we respond will be a big one. Um, yeah, I, I, I think... My my gut feeling at this point is that he is an upgrade, but you know, very very early. Am I am I hearing this right that Sam Down is being the rational one out of the panel? That am, might am be I, happening. Yeah, Sam being negative. Sam being negative. Never. No, I'm, I honestly, I, I I know it could it could, it could uh, I know you're joking, but I, I know it could be construed as negative. But I don't know. I just feel it, there is a very very long way to go. This is the guy who. You know, Schumacher, who, you know, for all our justified anger over the way left and for all the, at times, naivety he's shown this season, this is still the guy who got us probably our best season in the club's history on a mid-table budget. So to be an upgrade on Stephen Schumacher for us, never mind I was doing at Stoke, to be an upgrade on Stephen Schumacher for us would be a very, very difficult task indeed. That's not to say it's impossible, but he's got a long way to go. That's all I'm saying. I'm gonna I'm gonna need a lie down after this podcast. After that, that is for sure. I was actually just doing a bit of um, digging while we were um, talking there about about Fozzie and and his his reign so far and things. And actually, since Swansea beat us um, all the way back earlier in the season, um, only four teams have beaten us since Swansea beat us back in October. And those four teams are Leicester, Southampton. No, five teams, isn't it? Sorry, my maths has always been poor. Leicester, Southampton, Leeds, Ipswich, so that's the top four, and Coventry City, who are one of the most informed teams in the championship right now. So, yes, whilst the last month has been really good and we are making progress, I think we can all agree that we're making progress, actually, in the bigger picture, although there's a lot of draws thrown in there, our form actually isn't dreadful. And we are probably just about where we deserve to be, in my opinion, in, in that midfield battle in the championship. I think that's just about right for me on, on how we're performing. Um, ben, come to you next um, for the next question. 
It's from Harry Water um, on Twitter, um, who says, sometimes I feel like we are screaming out for a striker. And if Hardy was to get injured again, what would we do? I know we have Bundu, but doesn't look like he's in Foster's plans. And I know he's injury prone. Of course, we should just mention Bundu did miss this game um, with a calf injury, isn't it? And it looks like it might be um, a couple of games out for him. Just how big a problem is this? Because Wayne had the perfect chance yesterday to come in and, and just silence a few of the doubters. Um, and to be fair, it was a, it was a good it was a good um, bit of defensive play, I thought, by the Swansea defender just to, just to put him off enough. But it is an, it is a worry, isn't it? If if something were to happen to Hardy, options are limited. Yeah, and there doesn't really need much discussion. We are we are stuck if if. He gets injured, and as I think I went on at length about in the um, the deadline day, we don't have a, someone who plays his role in this team in the squad. Um, you know, we've got players like Ben Wayne and Freddie Asaka who aren't the same profile. You know, one's a been playing professional football a while, one's a young raw talent, but they don't play the same way he does with the same intelligence, uh, making the same sort of runs. But also the thing that Hardy does, he combines that with the aerial ability he's not brilliant but he he's certainly better than Isaka and Wayne in the air and better than Bundu um Bundu I think I'd like to think you know ask you guys your opinion but I think he's got incredible skills I think he's, uh, uh, compared to Wayne I think he's definitely got the better touch better composure on the ball and much better physical strength again Wayne was on the floor quite a bit um in the afternoon yesterday when, when he was on just not got the physicality to hold the ball up um, and so, yeah, we we don't have anyone if Wayne goes, if Wayne is sorry, if Hardy goes out injured to play that role. And as I suggested, we might need a plan B if that's to be the case. I know a lot of people have been um, a little bit annoyed the club hasn't brought anyone in, but it's really hard to find. The, the ideal candidate would have been alone um, because we don't have lots of money to go out and buy someone and, and strikers are like hen's teeth at the minute. Um, but no one that would mean Benjamin Hardy because we'd have to bring in a loan and play him. No one's going to send us a striker to sit on the bench and come off, come on and play 15, 20, 25 minutes each game. They're going to want to send us a striker to play, and that's you know, there's no chance we're going to bench Hardy, so that's going to be off the off the table. Um, and then it's like, where do we get a striker who can we can pay the wages of and we can pay the transfer fee from anybody who's uh approaching the end of their contract? is being circled like a vulture. And we've seen a few sort of moves in the window to other championship clubs. Um, you know, Kiefer Moore, there's, there's been rumoured to be quite a lot of money involved in that deal. What Ipswich are paying for that, I don't think Argyle would have been able to to offer. Um, there was talk, you know, Graham was 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 leading us on with the hope that we might be bringing in Aziz from Reading. And, and for whatever reason, that might well have been happening, but didn't get over the line for whatever reason, or, you know, it, it might not have, uh, have got very far. We don't, we don't really know the details of that, but that would have been the sort of market we'd have been looking at. We've been looking to try and find a cut price option because you don't find a championship able striker who can both uh, run behind the lines and you know do do a decent job of hold up play, just laying around places that you know they are they are incredibly rare and prized assets. Um, more than anything else, putting the ball in the back of the net. And we're talking about Hazard winning us three points, but it wouldn't have been three points if Whitaker hadn't put the ball in the net. You know it, that we we might have saved it. He might have won us a point, but the three came because we got got the goal. Um, and, and so putting the ball in the net is always the most valuable. Since you got since they changed it to three points for a win, putting the ball in the net is the most valuable commodity in 
in football. But given the situation we we are in as a club and in this window, what we need from our striker, there wasn't much. You know, they probably the club probably did everything they could. We don't know what foreign markets etc. They were looking in. I just don't think there was anything there. I think the club, if they felt they could bring someone in who was an upgrade on Wayne, they would have. Um, but there's no, there's no point talking anymore about can we cope without Hardy? What can we do without? I think we'd need a change of style. I don't think Ben Wayne can come in and replace Hardy for 90 minutes each game and us still perform to the level that, that we seem to be or have been for these these early few games. Um, I think there would need to be a sort of re- rethink on how we we attack um, and how we set up um, to a degree. Um, and, I, you know, unless anyone else disagrees with that significantly, I think most of the fan base see it that way. You know, we, we're all just we're holding our breath, hoping that Hardy can get through at least a good run of games, put put six, nine points on the board. And then, you know, from a selfish point of view, if he did get injured, at least you'd think we could limp over the line. But yeah, I think that's, that's the one area everybody, as much as we're confident about a lot of things going into these last, 16, 17 games, that's the, the the area I think we're all really worried you know, that that's the bit that could, could go wrong well, and, and throw the train off the tracks. Let's not forget, and in theory, I do entirely agree with what you're saying, and I know I'm going to jinx this now even worse than I jinxed the previous bit, but let's not forget, Ryan Hardy's sort of already had his share of bad injury luck this season, hasn't he? He, he had the muscle injury in the Ipswich game. He had the, the head injury in the Rotherham game. Uh, yeah, I've said it now, haven't I? But I, I almost feel he's had his share of bad injury luck. Okay, let me say it another way. When he did then go out of the team, certainly in that first little run, we were still capable of, of winning games without him. Uh, we won the uh, Sunderland and Stoke games. Um, but the we, difference is, sorry to interrupt from, you, but the difference yeah. is back then that he facilitated the tens and the wide men. He didn't True. necessarily, he wasn't the integral part of the team, whereas now he's the key to the press. And, he, and, and he's also asked to do two roles in the team, which is run behind and also be the outlet to bring the team up the pitch. So, yes, True. we were able to play with Wayne as a, I don't want to call him a placeholder, that's disrespectful. He did, you know, he, he performed well. He's got a goal against Leeds, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it's a different role that he's got to play in this system. Um, so, yeah, I, I feel like, uh, anyway, I'll, let, I'll let you carry on. But I, th- I think comparing that period of injury and if he were to go out under Foster would would create a very different problem. I, I completely get that. I, I don't think you're wrong. But what I will say is for all that we sort of had a bit of a moan and groan at Ben Wayne for that chance when he drew the defender out as if he was going to spare it and then just shot anyway, bit of a head loss moment. But how well did he do to harry that defender down and win the ball in the first place for that phase of play? So maybe, just maybe, we know Foster is, is, is great on the training ground. Maybe he is coaching Wayne into learning that off the ball, out of possession stuff a little bit better. And maybe if he is called upon to start a game or two, and let's hope it would only be a, you know, a game or two, then then he can develop in that. And I, I just think that, you know what, maybe I'm missing something with Wayne. I, I, you know, because I, I very much shared, shared your, your view on, on doubting him and may, maybe even more doubtful than you at times, but maybe I'm missing something on him. And maybe if Foster sees, sees it, then... You know, as much as I, I like, I like to have my own opinions on it. Maybe I should defer to his judgment because clearly, you know, he he's not afraid to move players on. Gillespie, Butcher have been moved on, haven't they? Um, you know, uh, Warrington sent back to Everton, so he, he's not afraid to dispense. Uh, Tyree Wright, of course, he's not afraid to dispense with players he doesn't feel are part of the system. So maybe he's just seen something with Wayne that he thinks, you know what, I can work with, I can mould, and maybe maybe he will come good. Uh, we obviously hope that 
that Sam's not jinxed everything and that Hardy can continue to have his decent run of games from now until the end of the season. If by any reason that's not the case, then I think one thing we've learned about Foster is that he's adaptable. And he, I know at the moment Hardy brings a lot more to our style of play under Foster than he did certainly in um, the, the first half of the season under Schumacher when the goals weren't necessarily quite so reliant on on the centre forward, as as it were, and and the way he brings the players into play, I just think I I look at where we are now and say, okay, yeah, the the transfer window, the one disappointment you can have is not bringing in the striker. But at the same time, that is the argument of saying, well, that if Hardy gets injured, we're going to have that issue. Truth be told, any first teamer gets injured in any position, you you're, you're naturally going to struggle. It, it's it's not as if we're we're talking about, um, oh, okay, well, you, you're going to have 10 or so backups in a certain position. It's just, just not possible for a, for a team on our budget. So, of course, I hope Hardy remains for it. And, of course, I hope he keeps keeps being integral to 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 how we play. But I, I wouldn't be as concerned if he's not, simply because I trust the adaptability and I accept that it isn't necessarily possible to just bring another Ryan Hardy into the club. When you when you've got players that good, I guess that's you know a pitfall of having players that good that improving on them or getting their sufficient backup is tricky. Um, but you'd rather have it this way round than than not have that option at all. Yeah, and I'd, I would certainly be excited to see Mustafa Bundu get more time, even if it was through unfortunate circumstances, because I think he's got a real mercurial ability and and could become a you know a, a, a develop into a real quality player for us. So well, I, there's definitely. I think, um... <clears throat> I was just going to say, Ben. I think to be fair, we're you know we've got a lot of games coming up, and particularly now that that Sheffield Wednesday game at the start of March has been brought forward another day. Um, you know, if we do win tomorrow night, then what is it? It's eleven in thirty-two, isn't it? Um, so I think it's safe to say that between now and the middle of March, um, not May. I don't know if I said May. I meant March. Um, so there will be plenty of rotation. Um, I'm wary that we're coming up to the hour mark on tonight's episode and we do still have to talk about Leeds on Tuesday night or tomorrow night as you're listening um, or this evening if you've completely missed Monday. Um, so three questions, one, two, three, one each, um, rattle them off. Um, and this is a question on Facebook from Adam Wheeler um, who says, how significant has the impact of the new arrivals been towards Foster's successes in the improvement of building team performances and achieving our first away win? I mean, any manager that can can bring in their own players, it it naturally helps. And I think it goes back to what's been discussed a lot, um, both on on this, both on um, our written content, both in in terms of our social media output. Is we're looking at it and going, are the players he's brought in able to resolve specific problems that we had before they arrived? So I'm looking at things like set piece goal as an obvious example. I'm looking at aerial jewels an obvious example and why we've brought into six foot five players in a week and I'm looking at a lack of experience in the middle hello Adam Forshaw it's lovely to have you you know they've obviously had had a huge effect and it's exactly what we would have hoped for and needed I think Schumacher leaving before Christmas felt like it was the worst possible time but actually in a way I'm glad it wasn't another month in the future because I wouldn't have wanted Foster to come in at the end of the transfer window and have us panicking and thinking how exactly are we going to fit these players that are already here into his team you know we we wouldn't have had long at all to to get everything sorted and get him the players that that we required so yeah I think they've had um 
a significant impact amongst other things. There's um, Fozzie's coaching methods as well for the players that are currently here have obviously have obviously helped them along too. But they've helped in a way that I think was well planned and in a way that the club have clearly targeted these players for specific issues that have cropped up. And right now, at least, and again, we're, we go for the age old thing of it's, it's still very early in his reign, but right now it's all working out and it's all come together. So yeah, I'm, I know we've had the de- debate and discussion about the, the transfer market and what we could have done, but the players that we have brought in as it stands look like they fit brilliantly and Hopefully, we're going to see that more, particularly with this long run of games to come. Yeah, that's fairly succinct and to the point. So um, we'll come to you, Sam, uh, for the next one. Uh, but it's an interesting one, um, and it perhaps needs a bit longer on a, a future pod if if we need to talk about it again. Um, it's from at Hainsey16, um, who's got their name as Argyle Sarcavan, um, which sort of lends itself to you may know what sort of question's coming. Um, what's wrong with Barley Mumba, they ask? We talk about Whitaker as a steal, but have Norwich picked our pockets? It seems to be a very taboo subject. I'm not sure Norwich have picked our pockets, per se. I think Mumba's had some very good games this season. And I'm not totally sure there's anything wrong with him at the moment, is there? He's performing to a, a decent level. He is performing to a decent level. Um, I think as somebody who was kind of on this boat of, hmm, Mumba could be doing a little bit better earlier in the season. I think some people have now gone too far the other way to people saying that he, he's playing badly or he's not worth a million. And I think that's so, so far off it. Um, I think that he, there's so much he does well that's sort of quiet, understated, that doesn't really steal the headlines, but is massively advantageous to us. Certainly in a style of football, it's maybe a bit more territorial than um, possession-based. Obviously, you know, we, we try and be attacking, but it's not certainly maybe under Foster so much tika attacker. It's not the slow pass, pass, pass build-up. A player who can just get the ball up the pitch is really, really welcome. And I think his, his dribbling, the, the kind of ground covered with the ball. Uh, I've, again, Ben, you're the stats guy, and I'm sure you'll back me up on this in the stats, so I can't quote anything specific. In terms of ball movement, getting the ball from one zone of the pitch to another, he, he's got to be one of our best players, if not our most important. Um, Bally Mumba reminds me of a player who I never thought I'd say he reminded me of after his, after the you know last season, they seemed two very different types of player. And in a way, they are still two very different types of player, but similar in one key way. That player is Danny Mayer. Uh, hear me out. Um, Danny Mayer was, was brought in as his big headline marquee signing. And he, he, he didn't really get the goals or assists contribution that that status warranted. Uh, but what he did do throughout his entirety of his four years was be a good player in getting the ball up the pitch, in gaining ground, in gaining us that five, ten yards to get us into a more dangerous position. Even if he didn't get the assist or the goal, he would so often be involved in the move that led to the assist. And I think that's also very much true of Valley Mumba. Um, Last season, he was very different. Last season, he was more of a headline grabber. He was about the goals, the assists, the amazing moments, the the wonder goals. And he came into that Huddersfield, that first game of the season. I think everybody thought same again was going to happen. He was just going to be another moments player, another you know star player. But actually, what he what what's happened is he's knuckled down. Yes, we all would have liked to see him get more goals and assists, but he's become a really solid uh, under the radar player in territorial games and in progressing the ball up the pitch. Um, and I think he's had an underratedly good season due to that, which is why I think 
Um, as much as last season just seemed diametrically opposite to Mayor, Mayor was the quiet, understated, and Mumba was the big vibes guy. Now Mumba's stepped into the role of being the quiet and understated, but still a good player for us, in my yeah, I think that's that's fair enough. And I think um, we've also got to remember in the last couple of games, Bali Mumba's now switched to the right side. Um, and I think there would be a weird turn of events, I think, looking at how Foster's setting the team up if Mumba ever plays on the left again. Um, it seems like he's got him set as a, as a right back now. So, Ben, come to you quickly. Last um, question sort of covering yesterday's game and, and broader topics. Then we'll get straight into Leeds. Uh, it's from Jason on Twitter who says, "Can we've already touched on on Hazard, but it's just one that I think we just need to touch on again. Uh, can anyone name many better keepers than Hazard in the Championship? We need to stop comparing him to Cooper and start realising he's a very competent keeper at Championship level. Like all, they have strengths and weaknesses. It's a fair point, isn't it? He's, he's a good keeper in his own right. Absolutely, and I can answer that in about 30 seconds. So I just want to back Sam's point up on the right there. Mumba's interplay with Whitaker looks absolutely frightening in the few games that he's been there with him. They're both intelligent. They both understand each other. And he saved a certain goal or looked a certain goal yesterday with a great um, dive in tackle. And I think at least two other occasions this season, he's done the same. His defensive contribution goes largely unnoticed because I think he will sometimes overplay and lose the ball. That gets focused on, but he does a brilliant job defensively. Connor Hazard is one of the best keepers in the championship and can walk into a lot of teams the stats show that and i think a lot of the problems that have been picked up on his game are specific weaknesses not related to the main parts of a goalkeeper's job and he's vastly improved on those in recent uh, recent weeks he's he's always been a very competent shot stopper here the stats will show that he's one of the best shot stoppers in the championship regardless of the other flaws that have been present in his game when he first came in he very quickly improved in lots of areas, and I think he's got a lot of unfair criticism when at the start of the season, um, once he, he he sort of developed his distribution, he was obviously being asked to do things he wasn't particularly comfortable with by Schumacher, and yet he worked within that system and did his best. When he came back in after Cooper went out again, he seemed to have a, a drop in confidence and his his um air the his aerial um I say dominance, his aerial control, his his willingness to come out, take a ball, punch a ball. Uh, his willingness to come off the line and, and and make a decision seemed he seemed quite reticent at times, um, and that was a worry. That seems to all improved massively in the last few weeks, and I think that not only is he an excellent keeper who could walk into a lot of teams in the championship, um, but he's also a really good teammate. And I think the picture that's been doing the rounds of uh, Lewis Gibson embracing him demonstrates that he's he's really well liked. He's wanted to be a success within the team. He's always sort of, you know he's never on his own. He, he seems to be a real important member of the group. It seems to be part of the, you know, the 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 good guys policy um, of, of the recruitment um, in in recent months and years, uh, and I think he's massively underrated. And I think that certain performances, if, if, certainly if he continues to do the all round game as well as he has the last two games, he'll start looking like an absolute steal. And he's a player that we might be looking. You know, people have talked about Cooper going for for big money. It might be if he plays as well as he has the last two games of the rest of the season. He's someone with really desperately trying to hold on to or talking about making um, a, a seven-figure sale on uh, come the summer. I really think he's he, he's he can be that good if his, his all-round game continues to be as impressive as it was against um, against uh, Leeds and against um, uh, Swansea yesterday. Yeah, I think that's, that's fair enough. Um, and now 
Um, we're not going to try and fool you all by pretending that we've recorded this preview podcast differently. We're just going to add it on to tonight's episode um, because let's be fair, by the time this gets out, um, it'll basically be kickoff. Um, and Mark Chapman will have handed over to Jonathan Pierce or somebody on commentary on BBC One. So as we all know, Tuesday night, we are in FA Cup fourth round replay action at Home Park against Leeds United. We're going to become very friendly with our friends up the road in Yorkshire um, with three games in as many days. Um, following the 1-1 draw at Ellen Road, we get to do it all again. The tie will be decided on the night. Um, and of course, a place at either Stamford Bridge against Chelsea or Aston Villa at Villa Park awaits on Wednesday, the 28th of February, I think it is. Um, and that game would be broadcast live on ITV4 should we get there. I suppose the, the big question for the three of you, open forum really, um, on this game, not what do we think, feel about it, not, you know, how is it going to go? Who the bloody hell is starting in midfield? Well, yeah, I was just going to say, obviously, with, with Houghton being injured and JB being barred from playing and Forshaw still being cup tied and Butch having been sold, the and only two... And Divine, yeah, he can play there. So the only two recognised central midfielders at the club in terms of that being their first or second position are Caleb Roberts and Adam Randall. Um, do we start Roberts again? Maybe. I've got a feeling that he's going to not do that. Um, again, not that I think Roberts was was bad, but I think there was a couple of times where he just didn't look quite up to the pace of it um, and, and a couple of mistakes on the ball. And I think that um, there is going to be an aspect of player protection as well from Foster. I think that um, as tenacious as he was and that kind of thing, I think that um, he's not going to want to give him too much action too soon. I think he's going to want to spend some time on the training field and, and maybe work work on where he needs to, to build up his skill set a little. I've got a, I could be wrong and maybe he will play him and, and maybe he'll do fantastically, but I've got a feeling that he, he's given him that moment at Adam Road, which is great for his know-how and his experience. I don't think he's going to play him for the replay. I could be wrong. I think it will be... Foster does have a bit of a knack for the unexpected. It could be Joe Edwards, but he's not played central midfield since since probably before COVID was a thing, has he, for us? Um, not for a very long time. I think he's going to go for Adam Randall and Julio Plegifuelo in midfield because we know Pleggy can play midfield. He has played there at his previous clubs. Um, that was what was reported to us on the arrival pod and in written um, literature as well. He's not someone who's played a lot of minutes in recent weeks, but I think that, and I think with the back three being as they are, he's not going to get a lot of minutes in the back three, barring an injury. So I think he's going to put Pleggy in the central midfield. I just think against such a good team as Leeds, his sort of calmness on the ball, his, his good, for all that we can sometimes have a bit of a moan about his defending, his good passing ability could be really useful in midfield against Leeds. So I think he's going to go for Randall and Pleggy as the midfield too. I think that um, the two aspects that he desires above all else in his midfielders is size and dynamism. I don't think we have any big defend uh, midfielders left um so plug with Waylo is a, a good shout for coming in just to add that sort of size but i don't know if he's as dynamic i mean he's, he's reasonably fast but i think that gives caleb caleb roberts actually a pretty good shout because he is nippy if, if nothing else um and to get about and, and and sort of nip at people's heels and 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 harry people that's that's something i could see him him doing quite well he, 
you know, we've said we think we're taking the club has taken the, the FA Cup reasonably seriously, not super seriously, but they've not just put out a, a really weakened team. They want they're quite glad to have won the replay. So I don't think Caleb Roberts playing was just a token. I think that there was something there that that the manager saw. And if he's had extra time to work with him, I don't see why he might not have got him to that state where he's got a few more principles into him that um, he feels he can trust him to go out again and do the same, especially as he's played against the team and he's got a little bit of familiarity with those who might come out on the pitch. But I've been even more bemused by Foster's team selections than by most of Schumacher's, to be honest. So I wouldn't like to hazard a guess. It then becomes a question of if you if you if you don't play Roberts and you play someone like Randall, who do you play in left? Are you, are you relying on Callum Wright again to play at the left forward. So that's the other thing that that speaks in Caleb Roberts' favour is he's not being removed from another position or take you know having to then vacate a position where you need to fill that hole. So yeah, I mean Caleb Roberts. Might get might get a game. I, I can see every reason why it might happen. I would love to see him play and Izaka play on the left wing, but I don't I don't see it happening. But um, that would that would be brilliant in the FA Cup on the telly for those two to get that sort of experience under their belt. I think yeah, I I like the the play idea. Don't get me wrong; it's something I'd actually not considered coming into this. But I do think Roberts will will get the nod. I think it's um an easy one to get him up for. You know, local player. Um, let him know that people are going to tune in for EastEnders and they're going to be watching you instead and get out there and perform on national television. You know, he's, um, what more can you want? I, yeah, he's, he wasn't a, a tokenistic choice uh, away from home. I, I, I agree with you, Ben, on on the reasons for, for getting him in and, and, and the quality he can bring. Okay, he didn't have the, the, the greatest game in the world, but it's, uh, it's a baptism of fire for sure. I suspect... It will be the same way of thinking again, because whether you want to claim you're taking the FA Cup incredibly seriously, whether it's not in the priorities, this is a big game for Plymouth Argyle. When you consider the potential for a fifth round tie, uh, a grounds that will get you a very, very decent helping of gate receipts, no matter where you end up. When you consider the prize money for winning the fourth round and getting to the fifth round for the first time in, what was that, 17 years by my quick maths on that, it's... It becomes significant. Add in the the TV money, both for the replay and the prize money. Yeah, there's there's every reason to think this game could be worth a victory. Here could be worth about a million pounds. And when you consider that, I mean, okay, yeah, we're probably not going to go on and win the cup, but we could do with an extra million pounds in in our back pocket, particularly coming into January. So I can't see any reason why he'd make a tokenistic selection, and I don't think Roberts is. Yeah, I now Sam's put that that seed into my mind. I'd be quite curious and keen on the idea of Plaguey coming in but I suspect we'll see Roberts because he's been trusted in the past and yeah he'll he'll be even more motivated this time around. It's, it's quite an interesting prospect isn't it the thought of Caleb Roberts and Freddie Osaka um, both starting the same game in the cup obviously with with Mustafa Bundu now out um, it, it's it's a straight fight really isn't it between unless we're changing system between um, Freddie Osaka and Callum Wright for that that left wing spot um just a, an open question before we do go on to actually talking about the game itself are we expecting hardy to start this one just quick yes or no or or, or do we think this could yeah, be yeah. Well, yeah no probably. i think no i think he'll start hardy will start yeah agreed i just, I just thought i'd throw it out there um so overall then um leads we i mean lord only knows what team leads are going to pick whichever team they pick it will be incredibly strong 
Um, they will have stars all over the pitch, but this is on our patch, lads, isn't it? This is this is a real opportunity to make the last 16 of the FA Cup. Um, something that, as Adam alluded to, hasn't been said for quite a while. Can we go out and enjoy it? Or is there a, a real element of pressure and, and nervousness because of the carrot that's dangled in front of us and it, and, it, and we're at home, we're expected to get a result? Well, what I, what I would say to that is we've still made a decent sum of money from this cup run. I know it seems weird a cup run when we could only have won one tie against Sutton, but I would still say it is a cup run because it's three games, one of which was at Ellen Road, which was a real money spinner attendance-wise, and obviously won a lot of prize money and also the TV money in that as well. So I think even if we don't get, get it done on Tuesday, that's still going to be the best part of a million pounds we'll have made from the cup run. Maybe not quite as much as a million, but the best part of a million. If we beat Leeds, then we're, we're doubling that easily with the gate money from Stamford Bridge slash Villa Park and with the TV money from um, ITV. So, yes, it would be nice to double it, but it's not a catastrophe uh, if we don't. You know, the league is still most important. Eyes on the prize. We're, we're nearly safe. We're, we're nearly there, but we're not, we're not there yet. QPR are picking up a little, you know. I'm not really worried, but I've, I've you know, I've still got half an eye on it. If you're asking me, would, would you rather we win in the cup or win in the league game in a couple of weeks? It's the league game every day, you know, and twice on Sundays. Um, so I still would rather, obviously, it would be great if we could do both. And obviously, I'm, I'm not going to turn down a win by any means. I'd love us to beat them in the cup game, but it's not the most important thing yet, I would say. Um, so it would be great. But I think we can just go and enjoy it. Um, like I said, I think Le- Leeds are a, a good team to watch play. I think their their style contrasted with ours. Both two very dynamic teams. It'll be a good game of football. I've got no doubt of that at all. Um, I think we can enjoy it for sure. Yeah, I don't think there's much pressure on either team. Like Leeds can say, "Oh, we'll concentrate on the league if they go out, and if we go out, well, we were just playing Leeds, who are you know favourites to go back up to the Premier League. Perhaps shouldn't even have been relegated. So, uh, you know." From, from a certain perspective. So, yeah, I think we can. I think it might be quite a free flow and entertaining game of football, to be honest. Yeah, let's let's hope that, that Robert Jones of the, of the Premier League um, and Michael Oliver's band of merry assistant referees let the game flow um, on Tuesday night and let the spectacle be a good one. Um, let's go around the, the group then. Um, all three of you, score predictions. For the because this is a preview pod, we've got to do score predictions. Aaron won't forgive me if we don't. Um, so score predictions for Leeds United on Tuesday night. One okay, all, and I'm not going to call a, a winner. It'll be, it'll, I no, you have be. to. That's that's yeah. the nature of a prediction, Ben. Yeah, one all is a prediction. Um, uh, one all, and then Le- oh, I, I got a feeling there'll be an extra time winner, and I want to say Leeds, sadly, but that's the pessimist in me. I think the good vibes are going to keep going a little bit longer yet. I think Leeds are going to be more rotated than we are. I think they're going to give Somerville and Gray a rest, both coming back from injuries. Don't think James is back to fitness yet. They'll probably give Ruter a rest as well. We're going to win, I think, 2-1 in normal time. I'm going to say one all after 90 minutes, two all after full time, and our goal to bring about their pizza cup experience and win on penalties. Good heavens above that! That would be We're, something to look forward. To. Do 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 we think Shuey is the type of guy? Uh, Shuey, that's an incredible gaff. Um, Foster is the type of guy, but do we now think that Foster is the type of guy who would do a Louis Van Hal 
and would bring on Callum Burton for a shootout if it's level. I think he might. I, I think he's the I, most no nonsense kind of guy in that scenario. I think he's just like, yeah. I think Shuey would have done. It, it strikes me as the kind of thing Shuey and his big galaxy brain would have done. But uh, I think maybe, maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe Foster's a bit more, you know, straight down the line. So maybe, maybe not. There we have it then. Um, a, a mix of predictions. For what it's worth, um, I do think that Leeds may well just nick this. Um, I, I know, I'm sorry to be the negative one. Um, I'm more negative than Ben because I've. I'm not totally convinced we'll get to extra time. But one thing I am sure about is that the 16,600, 700 or so, however many there are of us, inside Home Park on Tuesday night are going to make Home Park bounce on national television. This is a real opportunity to show the footballing world just how good a support the Green Army are. And there can't be any quiet period in this game. We need Home Park to be rocking from the very first whistle. Um, just a couple of bits before we um, close. Uh, we haven't mentioned it before, uh, I don't think, on the pod, but most of you will be aware that there is a crowdfunder going on for Argyle legend David Norris um, available. Um, obviously, David's going through some pretty tough times in his personal life at the moment. Um, he's actually trying to set, he's actually selling his League One title winning medal. Um, to fund a, a court case. Of course, those of you who weren't aware, there is a My Argo Life with David Norris available on all your podcast platforms where he recounts many, many good moments of his career, of which there were plenty. Um, but if you did, or if you haven't already gone to the crowdfunder and you would like to pledge something, that's available at Devonport Dreams on X. Have the crowdfunder going. It's already surpassed their target and it's done incredibly well. The football family really has pulled together for Chuck in his time of need. Uh, special congratulations to the Argyle women who had a nail-biting 4-3 win over MK Dons today. Um, you know, it's been a bit of an up-and-down season. Obviously, they had that great cup run and, and results in the league have been a bit indifferent, but hopefully that result today will go a long way to ensuring their survival in their division. And last but not least, all that's left for me to say is uh, we will be live on Wednesday night after the game, um, reviewing the Leeds FA Cup game. Um, I think there's still a few details to be ironed out about how we're going live, whether or not we're going to go live on YouTube as we did on deadline day, or whether or not we're just going to do a live Twitter space. I think Aaron just needs to have a bit of a chat with those of us who are partaking and, and see what we find is easiest and we'll get us the best interaction. But do join us on Wednesday night. We will be live about 8 p.m.-ish, as per the norm, um, dissecting everything about the FA Cup. And who knows, we may well, in the background of our televisions, have our potential opponents playing on ITV at the same time. Um, but, gents, unless there's anything else that you guys want to cover, I think we've just about covered everything Swansea and Leeds United ahead of the Cup tie. Um, it's been a really good fun to host the podcast the last two weekends and of course throw in the deadline day special which we must extend a huge thank you to everyone who got involved in the show on Thursday night it was something that we thought about a couple of weeks ago we thought it'd be a bit of fun we didn't quite expect the interaction and the numbers that we pulled in on the show we really are incredibly grateful if you haven't seen it yet you probably watched about 30 seconds, saw that we were all rambling about transfers that weren't going to happen, and you probably turned it off. It is worth it. There are quite a good uh, few bits in there from across the evening. We were joined by some great guests. 
Um, and at the end of the night, we just took the mick out of Sam down, which is something that shouldn't be turned down as an opportunity. To the video, to the uh, to the Sousa signing video. Oh, I still can't get over it. I, I, oh, I want yeah, to point out to all the very kind commenters, um, I, I can afford a chair. I, I just don't quite have room for one, trust me. It would be, uh-huh. I'd, be bumping in, I'd be bumping into it getting out of my bed. It wouldn't be any good there. But thank you for the kind thought. So it was great fun and we, we really are grateful for everyone who, who showed us support on Thursday night. Um, and we will be planning future um, live episodes and things to get you guys more involved in the programme. But that is all for tonight or this morning or this afternoon, whenever it is you're listening. Um, I'm off to bed. Um, some of us have some some effects of the night before to wear off just just a little bit more um so ben sam adam thank you for joining me um enjoy the occasion on tuesday night um they don't come around for, i know you shouldn't be teary-eyed about these sort of things but games on bbc one in the fa cup with a place in the last 16 don't come around very often so go along to home park enjoy it make plenty of noise get behind fozzy and the boys show leads what we're all about show the country what we're all about um, and who knows, a place in the last 16 is the prize. That's all for tonight. Enjoy the game. Enjoy your week. We'll be back on Wednesday night. Keep it Argo. Keep it green. And hey, the future is very bright. Cheers, guys. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.